0: Priorities in the face of uncertainty. We live in uncertain times. Uh, When you travel to the places that I do, uh, you realise even more graphically that times are very uncertain. There are tough times ahead, and I wonder if you've ever stopped long enough to ask, well, if that's the way the world is, why am I here? What's the real reason for my existence? Maybe I'm just a blob hurtling through space with no direction. What are my priorities? And why is life so uncertain? If you've ever considered these questions seriously, you're not on your own. Ecclesiastes talks about it. It's an interesting book um, and I'll I'll be going through and grabbing a few excerpts. We'll just skim over it very quickly this morning. But it helps us see the futility of the world through human eyes, but at the end of the book it reminds us that God is ultimately the one who's in charge. Overall, I believe it is an encouraging message, although the little bit that we did read this morning was quite depressing, I find. (laughs) Um, it's encouraging because people who have seen their fair share of pain are reminded in Ecclesiastes that the hope that we have in the 21st century is in our relationship with the living God. If we focus on all the things around us, we'll never get out of bed. But when ju- injustice and uncertainty and confusion around our priorities threaten to overwhelm us, I believe that we can trust in God. And Ecclesiastes reminds us of the ever-present hand of God and uh, it tells us that God cares about us and reminds us that when God is in control then we can learn to trust in Him. Who wrote it? Ecclesiastes, they say, was uh, well it says, the teacher or preacher went on to call himself the son of David, king in Jerusalem, one who has increased in wisdom more than all who were in Jerusalem before him and one who has written and collected many proverbs. And so with the process of simple elimination we can pretty confidently conclude that Solomon, King Solomon was the author of Ecclesiastes. And if that's the case, uh, it makes Ecclesiastes, the writings, about 3,000 years old. And if you think they're writing that 3,000 years ago it's amazing how much more relevant and how still relevant the Bible is especially in that particular passage. So with with Solomon the author and all the wisdom that he had collated over the years uh, it's interesting that that he uh, has got to the end of an amazing life and said all is meaningless, it's all a waste of time. The rivers fill up the sea and the sea never gets filled up and it rains and the rivers fill up again and uh, it seems that Solomon was looking back over his life with a bit of regret and he was pointing us to a better, simpler life lived in the light of God's direction. And I want us to think quickly this morning as we flick through this book about my priorities or our priorities in the face of uncertainty but I'm going to look at it in two ways. I'm going to look at the way we see my priorities from a secular human point of view and then I'm going to have a think about how we can see what God's priorities are for us. So Solomon uh, had three views of life and uh, he, uh, he was able to say uh, there are three different ways of looking at life when life's direction can sometimes be a little confused. The first thing he said was that life is a treadmill. Life is futile, it's meaningless, it's bleak, it's purposeless, it's depressing, it's full of cynicism and despair, it's a vicious circle, rain, flood, abundance, famine, hot, cold, the circle of life. So if we think about life from a secular point of view, we can actually say that life's a bit of a treadmill. You get up on Monday, you go to work, you come home. You do it Tuesday, you do it through the week. You have the weekend, you hang out for the weekend. And then guess what? Monday comes around, oh, we've got to do it all again. And Christmas has come and go and the years go and as you get old and the hair changes colour, the years seem to go a little quicker, don't they? At least mine do. And, and, uh, and what seemed like just happened yesterday was actually ten years ago. And, uh, and we, we go through it and life seems to get quicker and, and faster and we tend to try and jam more in as we can. So Solomon's view, first of all, life is a treadmill. The second thing he said is that life is unfair. And Ecclesiastes is saying life is actually unfair. It's unjust. And in the places I've just been, life is unjust. If you're living in the jungle or you're trying to be a refugee or trying to get repatriated to another country where you can have a safe life, you'd say that life is unjust. You'd also have to say that life is corrupt and Solomon said that life is corrupt. The, 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 the wicked get wealthy and the poor still suffer. And uh, uh, Burma, Myanmar, is, is on the, it fights with Somalia as the most corrupt nation on the planet. The generals who run the country, they've actually, uh, they've actually bled the thing white. Um, they've, they've sucked all the money out of it it's a very, it was the wealthiest country in Asia and they've now turned around they're actually trying to put something back in and they're trying to change the way they do things there but life is unjust if you're being shot at and they showed us the bunkers where the, they were hiding because the shells were coming in from the Burmese government and those little villages with grass huts imagine attacking taking a village with grass huts with mortar shells and machine guns and these people have got holes under their houses where they hide when the bullets were coming in It stopped now they're in a peace process and one of the generals we met is negotiating the peace between the Karen group three million people three million Karen and the government in Myanmar and we were able to encourage him and spend some time with him and pray for him he said you know what he said I just follow the orders of my commander in chief and he said you know who my commander in chief is don't you and I'm thinking uh, General Taimong he goes no it's God (laughs) and he's a, a, a full on Christian with a real heart to see his people in a place where they can be safe and get on with life and uh, he's just following the orders of his commander in chief life is unfair, it's unjust it's corrupt and it's actually quite wicked we don't have to look too far internet to look on the news to see that the heart of man is wicked and deceitful and, uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's our DNA that's, that's the way we are that's our natural place and natural position so life's a treadmill life is unfair and uh, life is also uh, unbalanced. Now, would you like to be the big one or the small one up there? I'm not quite sure. Um, life is unbalanced because we get it mixed up. We get it wrong and, and I've identified four areas, at least, sorry, Solomon has identified four areas in Ecclesiastes where we get it wrong. Um, food, pleasure, money and work of themselves do not satisfy um, we, we, uh, the first thing I'll just quickly mention is food. The Epicurean philosophy does not deliver. Eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we're dead. And the philosophy of our, of our uh, culture is squeeze the most out of it, guys. Grab all that you can for now because you're a long time in the grave and there is no future, there is no hope, there is nothing after this life. So we're going to suck the life out of it and get as much as we can out of it now in uh, Ecclesiastes 8.15 so I am convinced that we should enjoy ourselves because the only pleasure we have in this life is eating and drinking and enjoying ourselves we can at least do this as we labour during the life that God has given us in the world so life's unbalanced because of food Uh, life is unbalanced because of pleasure where are we up to yep food we'll go to pleasure you used to have a monitor here didn't you (laughs) That was easier. So what about pleasure? Pleasure does not satisfy either. In Ecclesiastes 2.10, anything I wanted I got. I did not deny myself any pleasure. I was proud of everything I had worked for and all this was my reward. Then I thought about all that I had done and how hard I had worked doing it and I realised that it didn't mean a thing. It was like chasing the wind of no use at all. And here we see Solomon has had everything he's wanted in his life. Any pleasure he wanted, even had a harem. And he's saying, it's all just chasing the wind. It did not bring satisfaction to me. Pleasure will not cut it. What about money? Too much ruins us and too little makes life really tough. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10 says, If you love money, you will never be satisfied. If you long to be rich... You will never get all you want. It is useless. The richer you are, the more mouths you must feed. All you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. Workers may or may not have enough to eat, but at least they can get a good night's sleep. The rich, however, have so much that they stay awake worrying. Here is a terrible thing that I have seen in this world. People save up money for a time when they may need it and then lose it all in some unlucky deal and end up with nothing left to pass on to their children. We leave this world, just as we entered it, with nothing. And so many people spend their life chasing money, thinking that the answers are in money. How many times have you heard that the people that win the lottery, uh, the big lotteries, within five years it's all gone and they're worse off than they were before they won? Money does not bring us satisfaction. Money does not bring us fulfilment. Money can bring us things. It could, we, we think it can bring us some temporary joy. But uh, I know a few wealthy people. Uh, and some of them are amazing, generous, wonderful people. But you know what? I know a few wealthy people who are miserable and never have enough and always want a little more and are never satisfied with what they have. And the toys they have, they have to spend a fortune looking after and protecting and making sure. That, uh, that no one's going to take them from them and it becomes a treadmill. Uh, it just self-perpetuates. So money will not cut it. Well, the fourth thing that Solomon says won't deliver is work. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 18 says this, Nothing that I had worked for and earned meant a thing to me because I knew that I would have to leave it to my successor and he might be wise or he might be foolish, who knows? Yet, he will earn everything I have worked for, everything my wisdom has earned for me in this world. It is all useless. So I came to regret that I had worked so hard. Your work and worry, You work and worry your way through life. And what, you, what do you have to show for it? As long as you live, everything you do brings nothing but worry and heartache. Even at night, your mind can't rest. It is all useless. And in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, I saw... All the toil and all the achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. And again I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Well there you have the good news, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Solomon in all his wisdom, after all that he had and he had access to everything, he said that life is unbalanced, life's a treadmill and life's unfair, food won't cut it, pleasure doesn't deliver, money will ruin us, and work is just depressing; some of you might already agree with that anyway. so those are what happened that 's what happens when we focus on my priorities. when we think about the world's about me and I want everything to be focused on me, and that 's the sort of result we will get when we are self focused when we think about my priorities, what do I want out of this life that God has given us under the sun? Now I want to finish, and it 'll be another couple of minutes, so if you can bear with me. Um, I want to talk about what God's priorities are and I want to think about our lives through the prism of God's priorities. One of the things that God is teaching me uh, is that I need to be, uh, and I'm trying to be more and more kingdom focused. We happen to go to a Baptist church. I, happen, I am a Christian who happens to go to a Baptist church uh, but I'm trying to see that through the prism of the kingdom of God. And when we look at, the, look at life through the prism of the Kingdom of God, it helps us sort out our priorities. It doesn't matter whether we're Baptist, Brethren or Calathumpian. Are we serving God? Are we following Him? And if we're focused on the Kingdom, that really helps us. It helped me set my priorities. When I travel, I'm, I'm not there because I love getting in aeroplanes and going up rivers and going into jungle IDP camps. It's not, you know, I love it. But, but I, I don't do it for me. I do it because I want to help the people that we're going to see. I want to I share the kingdom of God with people that will otherwise never hear. Uh, and when we take on different roles and I come here and speak, I don't speak because, you know, I, it's a good discipline for me. I love our relationship with Monty. It's really special for me. But I'm here to, to encourage you to grow the kingdom of God. And that's, that's why I come. I'm getting on a plane in, in a couple of weeks and heading off to Africa uh, for three weeks. Um, Julie is the most patient wife on the planet. I, I've have, I, I will have been away more than I've been home um, and her son's getting married in November so she insisted that I get home uh, before the wedding and I said, what date's the wedding? She said, 22nd. I said, how does the 21st sound? Yeah. She goes, <laughs> no. <"N-na." laughs> Not going to happen. So I ended up trying to juggle everything to squeeze these two trips I had to do this year and they, they were just a small window in between. But it's not because I want to go to Africa. I do want to go, but I'm actually about the kingdom of God. I, I'm really focused and passionate about helping develop God's kingdom. Uh, and it does not we work with all sorts of people. We work with all sorts of groups. Um, but if they are wanting to share the gospel, we will support them and help fund them and identify projects. So I'll be going to northern Mozambique, Zimbabwe, up to the Zambezi Valley, They said, why are you coming in October, Richard? It's 46 up there in October. (laughs) I said, well, that's the window I've got, so I'll be there. Going to Swaziland to White River. um, And uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenging trip. I always find Africa tough uh, for a whole range of reasons. But I'm there because we're about the Kingdom of God. And so if we think about our priorities, I want to share with you just some very quick things. Um, Not my priorities, but we have to switch our brain and think about God's priorities. If we think about my priorities, we'll get what Solomon's just been talking about. Dissatisfaction, emptiness, shallowness, and and we'll be just feeling like we're wasting our time. But if we focus on God's priorities, the first thing is that God is to be front and centre of our lives. Matthew 22 and verse 36 says, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. If we are Christian and we claim to be Christian and if we say we love God then we also have to love our neighbour. Our neighbour is the person over the fence that has a party every Saturday night and turns the music up too loud. The neighbour is the person who parks their car across your driveway. And the neighbour is the people living in the jungle in Myanmar or those in Africa and we live in a global village and my neighbours are the people that I'm able to connect with. And not everyone gets to do what I do and I don't get to do what you do but I believe that, that uh, every place is our mission field. That wherever God has parked us, wherever, whatever our situation, I loved your poetry, thank you for sharing this with us. That's your ministry, that's what God's given you and good on you, Stevie, for sharing it with others. It's a blessing. So it was real, really ministered to me this morning, the tapestry of life, the tapestry of colour. And we look around this room and we're a motley crew really, aren't we? Let's face it. There's nothing in me that makes me any good. There's nothing in me that is, is worthwhile other than the fact that I love God and I'm seeking to serve him. I'm seeking to make a difference for him in the different parts of the world that he parks me. And what a privilege that is. What an amazing privilege. God to be front and centre if we have got our priorities sorted out with God. God wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to be satisfied with our food. I love food as you can probably tell. (laughs) But food's something to be enjoyed. It's a blessing from God. Our work, I believe, is something we should be enjoying as well. It's not a curse, it's not a dirge. God created us to work and to make a contribution and to put something back into society. We need to see our work as our ministry, our workplace as opportunities for ministry, to be a good witness, to deliver for the boss, to turn up early, to stay late, to go the extra mile and to be the best employee they've got. Oh, he's not a Christian, is he or she's not a Christian? Oh, they're hopeless, those Christians they are always got excuses, they're always holier than thou, they're always preaching. That's not the testimony we should have. While I want to employ Christians, they're so committed, they're so passionate, they give such good value for money. They always turn up early. They're always reliable. They never have a sick day. They always support the boss. They always do the extra thing. They see what needs to be done. What a contrast. What sort of a reputation do you want, what do we want as Christians? And I have to tell you, both of them are out there The first one probably a little more than the second one, sadly. What about home? When we make God our priority and we make the kingdom our priority, that affects our home. That affects the way we treat our wife or our husband. It affects the way we relate to our kids. It affects the way we look after our grandchildren. It affects our home life and our relationships as well. So those outside of our family, within our church, within our community... whatever whatever community God has given us, if our priorities are God's priorities, it affects every aspect of our lives. And it means that our work, our food, our home, our relationships are a blessing. They are such a blessing to us. What's the next point I want to quickly make? God's work endures. And um, Ecclesiastes says that this is God's gift to us. Chapter 3 and verse 13 of Ecclesiastes that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. So on the one hand he's saying it's all meaningless and a waste of time but he's also reminding us, Solomon, that this satisfaction and the fact that God's work endures is a gift from him. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it God does it so that people will fear him. And if we recognise that God's work endures and we are going about God's work, we are part of God's kingdom, we have kingdom values, kingdom focus and God's priorities, then what we do will endure. It's not just a puff of wind that will disappear. As we focus on God's priorities and we deliver to serve him, that work the Bible promises us will endure forever. Next thing, we've got three to go, four to go. God wants our respect. If we are kingdom focused, God wants our respect. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12.1 Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble and and the years approach. Uh, And then uh, chapter 11 verse 9 You who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see's But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgement. As we serve God, we want to obey him, we need to respect him for who he is because his work will endure in our lives. We are sowing and God will do the reaping and the harvesting. Next thing that God wants is our obedience. Chapter 12 verse 13 Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind it doesn't get much simpler than that people fear God keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind God simply wants us to obey him wants us to do what he tells us next thing he wants us to do he wants us to rejoice when times are good and when times are bad hard to be happy it's easy to, It doesn't the, the smile in the crowd stand out all got long faces oh gee miserable lot here but a smile will light up a room chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes verse 14 when times are good be happy and when times are bad consider this God that has made the one as well as the other and you know what I, I found in my own life that we, I learn more when times are hard than when they're easy when times are easy I say gee didn't Richard do well isn't he a clever guy and when times are tough I'm cast on God I'm relying on God to get me out of the mess, to get me out of the problem, to provide for what I need, to provide for the funds for the project that's on my heart to fund. And God provides as I trust in Him. God wants us to remember that we are in His hands. Ecclesiastes 9.1 The righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. And if we are having our priorities as God's, if you have kingdom values and kingdom focus then uh, God wants to remember that we are in his hands and the summary as I close 12 verse 13 and 14 now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter fear God keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or whether it is evil I've got one more here. There are the three things we've got to do. Fear God, obey his commandments, God sees everything that we do and we will be judged for the life that we live. We all desire meaning in life. The search can sometimes take us along a dangerous path. Ecclesiastes is the acknowledgement of our human frailty and flawed character without God. We relate to Solomon's journey it's because we are trying to achieve the same thing as him. God works counterintuitively to us. What we think is logical, God actually wants to do something different. We have to learn and I'm learning to trust him and to think, well, that would be logical to do it that way but God, what do you want? And often God shows me and and shows me some things to do which is quite different to what everybody else is doing. We attempt to find meaning in lots of different ways uh, and the result is a real lack of satisfaction, a dead end when we're surrounded by the temptation to squeeze the most out of our life, Ecclesiastes and Solomon reminds us that emptiness is waiting for us on the other side of that chase. God, uh, life was designed by God to find our fulfilment in relationship with him and life will remain unsatisfying apart from recognising that we should be following his priorities, not our priorities. And the bottom line, fear God, do what he tells us. It's real simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get that bit figured out. So that's my goal in life. I actually identified this goal 25 years ago. Someone said, what's your ultimate goal in life? And I said, when I get, stand before God, I want to simply hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I trust that that will be your prayer as well. You may have something else that God wants to do Maybe God's spoken to you this morning about a priority that's askew in your life. Maybe you have been a little me-focused or a bit self-focused and God wants you to turn that around. So I'm sorry for the ramble and a lot of information and the sort of brain download. Bit hard to run through 12 chapters in 30 minutes. I've taken longer. But I do pray and my prayer for you is that God will continue to work in and through you that you'll be open to hear His voice and to be the salt and light in the place where he has put you, and that we'll be willing as believers to set aside what we think are our priorities, and that God will help us to focus on his priorities, and I can promise you that your life will never be the same again. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for Ecclesiastes. I thank you for Solomon's wisdom. And Lord, the prism changes, the light changes when we look at life through the prism of setting your priorities and obeying you. Father, I just thank you for the simplicity of the uh, verse that says, fear God and do what he tells you. And Father, this morning we acknowledge that we are in fear and awe of who you are, the living God, the Holy One, the one who sent his Son to die for us. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be simply obedient servants that you help us to be focused on your kingdom and Lord, that when people see our lives, when they see our relationships, when they see the way we work and what we do and how we live, that they will be drawn to you, the living God. Thank you for this time this morning. Bless each one here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.